As some of you might have noticed, it is the, the first week of Advent. Our Advent candles and wreath are here. And uh, all of this simply is a time of preparation for the Christmas season. Advent is a word that simply means the coming. And as we prepare for the coming of the Christ child, we also here in the, in the Church of God build up to the Christ's birthday observance offering, which will be coming in a couple weeks. Um, so allow these readings each week and the lighting of candles just to simply help prepare your heart for the coming of the Christ child. If you turn on the radio or TV today, chances are you'll hear the news. The latest on what's happening around the world. Sadly, it mostly seems bad. Rarely, if ever, do we hear good news. The, the kind that makes us smile, strengthens our heart, or restores our hope in mankind. Hope. It's a powerful word. Hope is looking forward to something with confidence that it will happen. Desiring something good with an expectation of obtaining it. When we hear the news, we want to be hopeful. Bad news diminishes hope, but good news encourages it. Hope sustains life. Hope believes yes when circumstances say no. Hope for a new beginning. Hope for a positive outcome. Hope for change. Hope for deliverance. In this season of Advent, a time of waiting and watching with great expectation, it is hope that encourages our waiting. For centuries, God's people were waiting waiting for the promised Messiah to come and deliver them from hurt and pain and oppression. Waiting for the good news to break through the darkness and bring light. Israel's waiting was fueled by hope. Luke's gospel tells us of two believers, Simeon, who was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come, and Anna, who talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. They hoped. An expectation that because God promised it, it would happen that God would keep his promise, believing that God's desire to give his children something good would indeed happen, and it did. Isaiah's words came to pass. The virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. The The Messiah hoped for became the Messiah realized. This is good news. And we continue to hope today. A second advent has come. And now we wait for the once-come Jesus to come again. As we light the candle of hope, we remember Jesus himself promised, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my Father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you, so that you will always be with me where I am. John 14, 1-3. With this promise in mind, we wait with hope in our hearts. As the writer of Hebrews says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Hebrews 10:23. Let's pray. God of hope, help us in our advent. May this time of waiting for you remind us not only of the hope fulfilled in Christ come to earth, but the hope coming again when he returns for his church. Between now and then, help us to be people who wait for this good news with great hope. May we always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks us about the hope we have. For all our hope is in you, the one who was and is and is to come. Amen.
often wondered why it is that, uh, as Americans especially, we like Christmas so much. Shortly after um, Halloween, we start hearing about Christmas. Amen? And some of you have justified this whole idea of putting up your tree before Thanksgiving by saying that Thanksgiving is actually just an introduction to the holiday season, which then, you know, culminates with Christmas. And so you put your stuff up as early as you want to and justify it by saying that. Okay, I'll buy it. Whatever. Whatever you want to do. It's not important to me. Tom, if you want to put up those lights in July, you go right ahead, man. It's just going to be a little weird with baby Jesus and fireworks at the same time. I don't know, but... You know, it's all good. We, we as Christians, especially here in America, we love the Christmas season. And I think part of the reason is that Christmas is a time of good news. We all love good news. I don't know about you, but whenever somebody says to me, do you want the good news or the bad news? I say, give me the good news. Some of you are gluttons for punishment. You always want the bad news first. Why would you do that? Let your heart be encouraged, then take the bad news. Some of you are thinking, well, you take the bad news first, then the good news can cure you from the bad news. doesn't work like that you got to build yourself up. Good news is always my choice. What is the best news you've ever heard? Some of us hear good news on a regular basis, and and some of us have to kind of quantify and classify the degree of which we really perceive good news. Like, for instance, this week, good news to me was hearing that the right kind of pie was going to show up at Thanksgiving dinner. Amen? Sometimes, Good news to me is, is uh, you know, something that I want to buy and have wanted to buy for a long time is actually going to be on sale on Black Friday and not just in the store but online so I don't have to get up early and wait in lines. Amen? Did anybody find any really big items they really wanted for... Yeah, okay, we just won't talk about Black Friday. We'll just move on. Um, how, many of you, how many of you have ever heard of Krispy Kreme donuts? Anybody like Krispy Kreme donuts? How many of you have had the kind they sell in the store at Meijer? That's not a real Krispy Kreme. That's not them. Nope. Down in Tennessee, where we uh, sometimes go on spring break, there is a Krispy Kreme donuts where they still have the assembly line where the donuts come rolling off the line. And every time I walk in that place, I have high expectations. Now, here's the thing. One of the days that I walked in there, I went in and said, do you have fresh donuts? They went, no, we're not making them today. Worst news ever. And so every time I go now, I walk through the door with great expectation, hoping to hear good news. I hope to hear, yes, we're making them today. And usually you can tell before you get in there because the line is moving and they're getting drizzled. And basically you can just park yourself under the end of the line and just let them drop directly. And they won't actually let you do that. I've tried. They forbid that. But it's so good, you know. It's good news. I I love good news. For some of us, maybe good news for us is just a favorite restaurant that's coming to town. Some of you jumped for joy when Chick-fil-A made it to Kalamazoo. I just, I don't understand it. It's kind of a thing. But anyway, good for you. There's lots of things that we would classify as good news. But I want you to dig deep today. I want you to look back and think back to maybe some of the things in your life that were the best news ever. One of the best times that I received some good news is when Tori, of course, said yes to my proposal to marry me. Now, she kind of knew ahead of time I was coming with it, so she had time to think about it, but she did say yes, and she did say so immediately. She didn't even stop to hesitate, for those of you that are wondering. Um, It was a wonderful day. Um, I remember um, several times, well, actually three times, I have expectantly awaited the word from churches that I believed God was calling us to go and serve in. And so we would go through the process of candidating and and going to that church. For those of you who don't know what that is, it's kind of like 
where you go and try out at the church to determine whether or not they want you to come and be their pastor. And as a pastor, at least in my book, you don't even start that process unless you believe that God is calling you in that direction. And so when a church gives you the news, yes, we confirm the call, we believe God is calling you here. That is, to us pastors, that's really good news because that means that we're listening and we're hearing God right and that the church has confirmed that. There have been lots of things in my life that were good news, but nothing better than the news that we were expecting. I mean a kid, expecting, right? For those who are parents, there is no greater joy in the world, I don't think. Uh, and, and some people don't you know, necessarily feel the same way, but for us at least, one of the greatest exciting moments of good news ever was when we found out that we were expecting. And, and it, it, for us, has been repeated six times, which is an absolutely wonderful feeling, that, that knowledge that you get to participate in the creative process with God and, and something new will come out of the union of two people. It's just an amazing thing to think about and to be a part of it. And if we really think about it, that is the story of Christmas. It's the story of the beginning of life. It's the story of, of two people or really one person creating a life and then that life in turn giving us life through the fact that he came here to live on this earth. And so as we think about good news today, I want to share with you two couples from the beginning of the Christmas story that received the good news and I want to kind of compare them back and forth and, and we'll just talk about them briefly and quickly because again, I'm, I'm running out of time very rapidly here, but y'all don't have anywhere to go, right? doesn't matter i got the mic so we're gonna just keep going anyway here we go so the first couple is zachariah and elizabeth how many of you have ever heard the story of zachariah and elizabeth anybody heard their story it's a great story let me tell it to you very quickly zachariah and elizabeth were advanced in age um, they were both uh born out of a priestly line and zachariah as a result was a priest who served in the temple of god they were barren they did not have any children uh, Elizabeth was unable to bear a child. I'm sure back then they didn't have the medical technology we have today. So who knows whether it was him or whether it was her. But for some reason they had been unable to bear a child. Now what you need to understand is that in that time and place, even more so than today, that was a big deal for a woman. Because in, in the situation she was in, it was kind of expected that if you got married, the first thing that you wanted to do was bear a child so that you could continue the family on and continue the family name. And sometimes people believe that if you weren't able to bear a child, that that was a sign that God was displeased with you in some way. Thank goodness we have moved beyond that today. At least I hope you have. But in that day, it was a big deal for her not to be able to have kids. And they had prayed and they had sought God for many, many years. And it never happened for them. And so one year, Zechariah, it was his turn to go into the temple and, and to burn the incense inside the temple where there was not supposed to be anybody else there, especially during that time of the year when he was burning the incense. It was just him and the incense burning. And, and so you expect to be alone in those kind of situations. And all of a sudden, there's a dude standing by the incense. How many of you, would have, that would freak you out completely? You know, when you're in that place and you think you're the only one there, maybe in your bedroom or in your office or whatever, and all of a sudden there's somebody else there, that creeps me right out, man. Some mornings I sit in there, I get here pretty early, and I'm in my office, I'm just tooling away, talking to myself, singing, doing whatever. Next thing I know, there's a knock on the door, and I think, oh no, they just heard me singing to myself. And it kind of creeps you out a little bit. And there are days I'm here late at night, and I swear there's someone walking by my office. I think Chris is some kind of invisible suit and he just does it to freak me out. I don't know. But that weird feeling you get when there's somebody else in the room and suddenly there's an angel in the room with Zechariah and this is in the Holy of Holies. Nobody else is supposed to be in there. 
And the angel, of course, says, what? Fear not. As if, right? Angels need to really work on that. If you're going to just show up in the presence of somebody without announcing yourself, don't say fear not, because they're going to be afraid, right? It's just going to happen. And so the angel starts talking to Zachariah and says, look, you're gonna, your wife and you are going to have a child. He's going to be special. He's going to be a Nazarite. He's going to foretell the coming of the Messiah. It's going to be a big deal. And, and Zachariah's response is a little bit different than maybe what you might expect. I mean, if I had wanted all of my life to have a child and suddenly the angel said, you're going to have a kid, I would have been excited. But listen to what Zachariah says in Luke 1, verse 18. Zechariah said to the angel, how can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man, and my wife is also well along in years. Interesting side point, Zechariah even back then knew not to call his wife old. Did you notice that? He just said, I'm old. She's just kind of getting up there a little bit, right? Smart man, wise man. Zechariah had been well-schooled in the art of surviving. Anyway, so he says this, and then he continues on. Um, the angel actually gives his response. He says, look, I'm Gabriel. I'm Gab- Anytime an angel has to stop and tell you his name, you know you're in trouble, right? I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now since you didn't believe what I said... You're going to be silent and unable to speak until the child is born, for my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. Ironic, isn't it? The most exciting news Zechariah has ever received in his life, and he can't tell anybody. Am I the only one that thinks that's funny in a very morbid way? I think that's hilarious. He's got, just gotten the best news ever. And he goes out of the tent of meeting, or, or rather the, the temple. Sorry, I'm getting my time periods mixed up. He goes out of the temple, and they're waiting on him by this point because he's taken way longer than everybody else took. And they're like, what have you been doing in there? And he's like, can you imagine the gesturing that guy had to do to get his message across? You know, probably grabbing his wife. Look, you know, all kinds of, who knows what he had to do. He eventually gets the message across. And and Sarah, a few months, weeks, whatever later, she becomes pregnant. And listen to Sarah's response. Sarah's response, or Elizabeth's, I'm sorry, not not Sarah. I'm messed up today. It's all the sugar from the pie. It's coming back to haunt me. Um, Listen to her response. Her response was this, how kind the Lord is, she exclaimed. He has taken away my disgrace of having no children. Let me tell you something. For Elizabeth, this was the best news ever. And probably for Zachariah, too. He was just taken aback. Now, if I was advanced in age, older than I am today, I probably wouldn't want to start over with a newlywed. Or a newborn. Newlywed? Newborn. What am I saying? I wouldn't want to go back. It would be exhausting to raise a child as an older adult. I get it. But still, best news ever for Elizabeth. Suddenly, her life long dream has been fulfilled her life was complete if only she knew the sorrow right that someday would be hers as her son grew up and was persecuted and eventually beheaded for his part in announcing the messiah's coming but for that moment her life was complete and good news was the best that it could possibly be and she received it gladly on the other side of the coin is the second couple 
Mary and Joseph. Mary and Joseph technically weren't actually a couple yet. They were engaged to be married. Joseph was a well-respected carpenter, a good man, an upright man, a man of integrity. Mary was a young maiden who had preserved herself for marriage. Of course, back then you had everybody watching out for you. She probably didn't leave her father's house much, right? She was kind of caged in there and, and kept for that. But at the time, she was one of those people who had followed all the rules. She was awaiting her marriage to Joseph, probably with great expectation. Her and her mom had probably spent all of dad's money preparing for the wedding. Can I get an amen on that, Pat, Pat uh, Gilbert? Yeah, it happens. You know, she's so excited about this moment that's coming up. She's so excited to see this day come. And again, she's sitting alone in her room and an angel pops in and says what? Fear not. Irony, right? And the angel begins to talk about how she's favored of the Lord and how God has chosen her and how she's going to bear a son and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. All of these really heady names in her head had to be just spinning. Because keep in mind, she's not married yet. She's sitting in her bed or sitting on the side of her, her couch or whatever she's at. She's sitting there thinking, wait a second. Isn't this cart before the horse? I don't understand. And so her response is one of great surprise. Um, let me find it because I've gotten away from myself. All right, Luke chapter 1, verse 34, she says this, But how can this happen? I am a virgin. She asked the angel, how can this happen? I'm a virgin. Now, we think of that as if she's asking a technical question. Well, you know, based on what my parents have told me, there are a couple of things needed for you to become pregnant and have a child. There's at least one missing piece of the puzzle here, angel. So what exactly is this? How exactly is this going to come about? I don't think that's the question she's asking. I think she's literally going, are you kidding me? How is this happening? Wouldn't you say that? Wouldn't you be a bit vocal? I mean, quiet vocal because there's people outside and you don't want them to know you're talking to an angel because you know that thing's going to disappear as soon as they come in. But she's got to be out of her mind her head is spinning. How can this be? How can this happen? Angel, I followed all the rules. I've done everything right. This is going to throw everything out of kilter. I would imagine in her mind, she's picturing the future that is hers if, if this comes to be. Joseph, first of all, how would you like to have to have that conversation? Hi, honey, I know we've been dating. I know we're engaged. The wedding's not here yet. I know we haven't been intimate yet, but guess what? I'm with child. Well, the dad, that's kind of complicated. An angel told me God did it. Let's be real honest. Joseph had every right to be as skeptical as you and I would be. Amen? There's no way he's believing that story. And if Joseph isn't going to believe it, who else is going to believe it? And so her future is bleak to say the least. Her future is completely changed. The wedding that she's hoping for will probably not happen, at least not like she wanted. Joseph has the right, if he wants to, to put her aside, to divorce her, quietly or loudly. Loudly means probably she gets stoned to death. 
She has no idea what's coming. And so she asks the question, how can this happen? I am a virgin. And the angel answers this. He says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, he gives her some proof. Your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. They didn't have Facebook back then. She probably didn't know yet. What's more, your relative, uh, I just said that. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. Would you say that with me? The word of God will never fail. One more time. The word of God will never fail. And Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Would you have answered that way? I am the Lord's servant. Look, whatever you want, all that you've said, go ahead, let it happen, right? As the story goes on, of course, Joseph finds out. We don't know if Mary told him. We assume she did, or the father, or someone did. And and he decides, since he's an honorable man, to, to kind of put her aside quietly. He doesn't want her to get in trouble. He just wants to get out of the relationship because honestly, how can you marry someone that you can't trust? And an angel comes to him in a dream and says, hey, it's okay. She's telling you the truth. This is of me. You need to marry that girl. You need to settle down. You need to take care of this kid because he's special. And Joseph, again, looking at his future, what are people going to think? They're either going to think that Mary and I were unfaithful before marriage or they're going to think that I've married a woman who was unfaithful to me before marriage. And yet Joseph took that bullet. Let me tell you something. The message that Mary and Joseph received about this kid was not good news, right? This was not good news for them, at least not in the short term. This was the kind of news that you get that that punches you right in the gut. This is the kind of news that you get that, that makes it hard to get up the next day because you don't know what the future is going to be like. This is the kind of news that changes lives, like, like your company's moving out of town kind of change your life, or you've just lost your job and your retirement kind of change, or your spouse decided to move on to somebody else kind of change, or your child is sick with God only knows what kind of change. This is not the kind of news any of us ever want to hear. Th- this is... C-word kind of news. You know what I'm saying? This is cancer kind of news. Nobody wants this news in their lives. And for the moment, I'm sure that they thought, this is the worst news ever. You said, I've been chosen, I've been blessed. How is this good? And yet they somehow managed to trust and put their faith in God. Why? Because the word of the Lord never fails. And they believe that. Friends, I don't know where your news is at today, whether you're living good news or bad news. Maybe you're somewhere in between. Maybe you're doing your best to follow God like Mary and Joseph were, and things just aren't coming about exactly like you thought they might, right? Maybe you're asking those questions of, of man, I, I just don't know what's going on in life. Why is this happening to me? I don't know where you're at, whether it's good, bad, or otherwise. I got to tell you, in the last few years of my life, there have been some times I was pretty questioning what God, what are you doing? Where are you taking us? Where are you leading us? We're doing our best to be faithful. Why are these things happening? And friends, I got to tell you, I have found 
that God has the ability to take us through such things. The word of the Lord will never fail. Listen to the promise from Romans 8.28. Paul said this to a struggling church in Rome that was enduring persecution. He said this, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. In other words, even the bad news that you receive in life, God can cause that to work together for your good. Friends, that's better news than you're showing on your faces right now. Even your bad news can be turned. I know Christmas time is a mixed bag for some people. Some people love it and can't get enough of it. Other people would just rather skip it because of some tragedy, some, some darkness that happened. It's a mixed bag. But let me tell you something. No matter whether the news in your life is good, bad, or otherwise, I have found God to be faithful. And I believe you will be too. Some of you might have noticed earlier as I talked about Tori and I get to experience that, that wonderful thing of, of being pregnant. Some of you might have noticed I said six times. How many of you thought I was just a moron and forgot how many kids I had? There's a few of you. Some of you just assume I'm a moron all the time. I've noticed that. We have five children, but we had six pregnancies. Before Caleb, there was another pregnancy. It was really early because this woman over here, from the time she was 12 on, I'm pretty sure she wanted to be a mom. In fact, I think she was breastfeeding her baby dolls at two. Yeah, mom and dad say yes, so that's a true story. When, when we got married, one of the first conversations we had was, when are we going to have kids? Because she wanted to have kids. She wanted to be a mom. I get that. I was okay being a dad. I just, I'll go with her. Wherever she's going, I'm going, right? And so we talked about it. We decided, well, let's wait till we get done with college. We'll go through college, and then we'll have kids. Man, I'll tell you, it was a fight sometimes. We really, there were times we almost gave in and went ahead and started that wagon rolling, but we didn't. And so when she was finishing up her last year of college, she counted out the months to make sure it wouldn't interfere with class time. And that last semester, she was doing her student teaching, finishing up, and then the, the final semester I was in, she was done and we found out she was pregnant. We were st I was still doing my internship. We were going over to Vero Beach and staying with some nice folks over there. And she found out she was pregnant. And I'm, I'm here to tell you best news we ever heard. We were jumping for joy. We, we had no common sense about it whatsoever. I think we told everybody. Everybody we knew. We were so happy. Finally, uh, you know, this is, we've waited three and a half years. This is so wonderful. There it is. And then earlier than most people would have even noticed they were pregnant, the pregnancy ended. And I was kind of like, okay, let's try again. That's not how she responded to that. <laughs> you see, to her, it was far more real than it was to me. And I watched as my wife grieved the loss of a child that she had never known outside of herself. And that is not an easy thing. But it's a very common occurrence. That's what the doctor told us. This happens all the time. Most people wouldn't have even known they were pregnant yet. But it did happen, and we did know. And we have a little one, I believe, in heaven right now. It was not an easy time because she bawled her eyes out for days, and I didn't understand. I did my best to stand beside her and support her and hold her up. It wasn't real to me. It didn't happen in my body. I didn't know what was going on. I was just like, man, has she lost her mind? Is she ever going to come out of this? 
And together we grieved, and I grieved because she was grieving, and she grieved hard, and we began to ask all those questions that you ask when something like that happens. God, why would you let this happen? Why would you let us get pregnant if it was just going to end like this? Why build our hopes up only to let them fall? Will we even be able to get pregnant again? Is there something wrong with one of us or both of us? What does this all mean? Do we dare try again? It was a hard time, and I didn't fully understand it. And finally, after she finally got to the point where she kind of started getting past it, I found myself out in the living room one night, and I was just by myself, and all of a sudden it kind of hit me that this was a baby, this was a child. This child had the potential to grow up and be everything that we were and more. And the tears finally came for me, and, and she then consoled me. And we got through it, you know. And the worst part was every weekend we had to go stay with some folks, and she was pregnant. So every weekend we had a reminder of what we had lost. And she complained about that and, and, and was really up, upset about that. And we did our best to just get through. It was hard, but God was with us. And you know what? A few months later, as she was giving the speech for graduation, she got to give a speech. You know why? Because she's smarter than me. She got up to give her speech at graduation and she had butterflies in her stomach and she thought it was just because she was nervous. <laughs> but she was actually experiencing morning sickness because she was pregnant again. And do you know she managed to be pregnant right at the time we moved from Florida to Ohio or to Indiana so that she didn't have to help move a thing. <laughs> and out of that came Caleb. Just a few weeks ago, we were talking about this, and both of us looked at each other, and she said, you know, if we'd had that other one, we wouldn't have had Caleb. And neither one of us can imagine our lives without Caleb. He's the only one that brings sanity to our household sometimes. Life is not always good. It's not always full of good news. But God has the ability to work through the bad to make good happen, and we can believe that. You see, Mary wasn't sure if the news she received was good. I'm pretty sure she thought it was bad. It, it didn't seem good at the time, but she trusted because God's word will never fail. And as a result, she literally delivered the good news to the world in a very real way. And in many ways, Mary revealed the very best news that could ever be delivered, the news that God loved his creation enough to come down in the form of a man and walk among us so that we could know him. The news that God had a plan to save us from the very beginning of our fall, from the beginning of our sin, through the sacrifice that Jesus would make on the cross of Calvary. The news that the work has been done, the fight has been won, it's all finished. The news that no matter what we're going through, and no matter how bad the news is, that we're living under good news. The gospel is one decision away. All we have to do is embrace it. And the good news will reign in our lives and we will have help with the future. And the question becomes, will you receive the good news that Mary delivered to the world? Will you receive the Christ child? Will you honor not only his birth, but his desire to become your Lord and your Savior and your Master? Will you allow him to forgive the sins that you carry in your life and be fully his? Sin is the ultimate bad news. It really is. But no matter what the sin in your past, Jesus came to pronounce good news for your future. Do we believe that still? Amen. I hope so. 
I hope so, so deeply. Because I believe we live in a world that needs that. There's a lot of bad news out there. Look at the papers. Look at the internet. Read Facebook. Talk to your neighbors. There's lots of bad news. So here's what I want to challenge you to do. I want, you to, I want to challenge you to overcome the bad news in your life with the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and rehearse every single day to yourself and to the people that you know how good God has been to you and the hope that he gives you in Christ. And if you've never met him, then I hope today is the day that you'll come and ask how you might meet him so that I can pray with you. Let's pray together as we close. I know the hour is late. Thank you for being patient. Father in heaven, we believe that Jesus literally was the good news delivered. (laughs) Father, Mary went through so much to become the mother of the Son of God. Joseph didn't have an easy road either. That first family suffered much so that we could receive the blessing of being able to declare good news over our lives, even in times when everything around us seems to be happening in ways that we don't understand. In a world that bad news overwhelms, it seems like, on every occasion, we can declare the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, the fact that God does care about this world, the fact that God loves everyone, not just those who act right or or look right or or behave a certain way, that, that he literally extends salvation and grace to every single person that ever lived. Lord, we have so much good news to share with a lost and dying world. And you have blessed us greatly and given us the ability to influence those around us for the kingdom of God. I pray that sharing the good news of the gospel, delivering the good news, would be our one main thought this holiday season. That we would, yes, celebrate like we always do, but that we would in some way, shape, or form find a way to make predominant in our thinking the fact that we need to declare the good news of the gospel to every single person that we meet not in a a way that confronts them, not in a way that pushes them away, but in a way that makes them want to live under this good news as well. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be a gospel people, to declare the good news of what you've done in our hearts each and every day. We ask this in, in Jesus' holy name, and all God's people said, amen. I pray that you will go forth believing that God's word will never fail and that the gospel would be on your lips everywhere that you go. Have a great day.